This episode of Control is brought to you by Melbourne Recital Centre, where live music lives. Melbourne Recital Centre inspires our community through presenting and hosting hundreds of concerts each year, traversing all genres of music. Discover more at melbournerecital.com.au. There's no one that's female. I mean, why in the hell would I think that I can be successful? Women are not making it to the top of any profession. So it's a very male-dominated environment. We do exist in this society where women in entertainment are discarded. There are women over 40 making pop music, but you won't hear them on commercial radio. And this is why conversation between women and music has never been more important. Hi, and welcome to Control, the podcast where we speak to incredibly inspiring game changers and change makers in the music and creative industries. I'm Chelsea Wilson, your host, and in this episode, I'm speaking to composer and virtuosic Guzhong musician Mindy Meng Wang. At age seven, Mindy began her classical training on the traditional Chinese musical instrument Guzhong and made her performance debut at age 10. Leaving China, she studied Western composition and musicology at the University of Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the UK, touring throughout Europe and performing in venues such as the Barbican and the V&A. Her music transcends genres, and her work is part of a significant movement of Chinese musicians redefining and reinvigorating musical traditions. A born collaborator, Mindy has worked with artists such as The Gorillas, Regurgitator, Paul Grabowski, The Australian Art Orchestra, Claire Edwards and many more. Her recent release, Nervous Energy, a collaboration with Tim Scheele, fuses traditional Chinese sounds with deep electronica. In this conversation, I ask Mindy about the history of the Guzhong, her time in the UK and why she moved to Australia. We also talk about motherhood and music, her latest solo album Phoenix Rising and her experience as artist-in-residence at Melbourne Recital Centre. This is Mindy Meng Wang in Control. Hi, Mindy. Welcome to the Control Podcast. Great to see you. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks for having me here. Firstly, I would love it if you could tell us about the Guzheng. It's an instrument special to China. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the instrument? Sure. Well, this instrument is an ancient Chinese traditional musical instrument. We know it has 2,500 years of history. Wow. And for the audience who actually haven't seen one of this before it looks like a horizontal um harp so it has a wooden one and a half meter wooden sound box you know the shape of like like a keyboard uh, but it's wooden and then on top of a wooden box it has 21 strings across some little bridge usually people sit to play and they play on the right hand side and they bend the string as well to create pitch bending sound um this instrument like wow it's probably one of the one of the oldest the musical instrument from china and it has been developed a lot during tang dynasty so maybe around 500 ad it got really popular in asia so actually when you know went to another neighboring countries that's why now you can see a lot of similar instrument you know guzheng was the, the ancestor of all of that 
But I actually, you know, I always tell people if you want to see more or like, you know, what it looks like in the old days, you can actually have a look Koto because in Japan, they really preserve everything. So when um, Guzhou went to Japan, it was like that. And then now they still kept a quite original form of the instrument, whereas um, in China, it's been you know, developing mm. in the history, like especially, you know, all the dynasty changes, so when the emperor changed, so they change everything. So um, that's why Guzhou now has more strings and it has the string has changed from gas string to nylon strings and nylon and metal. So, yeah, it's a very interesting and beautiful musical instrument. And so is there like set material traditional repertoire that kind of if you're going to learn Gujang, you kind of this is the core repertoire that you learn yes because i mean it's two and a half thousand years worth of repertoire i mean how do you decide what is the kind of the canon in older days the Gujang music actually is very close connected with literature so um a lot of music actually uh, especially very famous repertoire actually linked with famous poem as well and that's one of the important part of uh, the repertoire now. And also, um, you know, a lot of music actually from the ritual music and it being played like famous pieces, the famous ones played in the ceremony, ritual ceremony, or played in the chord, like chord music. So all those things combined together became a really rich traditional music database let's say like yeah they are but all the famous ones are kind of like you know a set there and then everyone has to play them that's how it works and has it been an instrument that anyone could play regardless of gender well i want to say yes but the interesting thing is that this instrument well let's go back say in ancient time women are generally not encouraged to play musical instrument, especially in the formal orchestra or in the formal events. So most people, like musicians, they are actually men, male. Actually, that kept up for a long time until I feel like even four, three or four generations earlier, most uh, masters and um, they are men, and then maybe three generations earlier, like before me, they became a half man, half woman. But from my generation, it's probably 90, 99% female. The gender of the instrument actually changed through time, which is very interesting. But recently, we can see there are more male would come back to play this instrument. But... It really, you know, like I actually, I was trying to find out why I did some research, but there was no, no obvious reason on why the gender shift happened so quick and uh, dramatically on this musical instrument. Mm. It's always an interesting and very strange kind of thing to look at, you know, whether it happens in education or if it happens from role models, you know, representation. Yeah. You know, we see it across, you know, a range of different instruments. But you started playing Guzhong around age seven. Yeah. That's so young to, you know, have really committed to, you know, a chosen instrument. Mm-hmm. What led you to wanting to play Guzhong as a seven-year-old? Are you from a musical family? No, but I want to say it's probably my parents. 
<laughs> I mean, like, uh, I do love the instrument, but um, the dedication was not something a seven years old like I would have, you know, like, so I, my, my mother played a very important role in this, in Asian family. We all have a, a kind of a tiger mom type. I mean, like, yeah, it's just a way of the education that your parents would always make sure that when you start something, you don't give up. So when I was five, they want to introduce music to me my parents and so they took me to a piano teacher so i learned a little bit of piano but it wasn't really my thing or maybe i was too young so we stopped until wow. when i was around seven and because uh, we live in the university and uh, this guzhu master just moved to uh in our building and it became our neighbor so I was listening to this beautiful music all the time. And then I got very drawn to the sound. And I remember uh, the instrument itself is so beautiful as well. I just asked my mom if she can take me to learn to the teacher. You know, I can be one of the students. And my mom <laughs> asked me, are you sure? Because we took you to the piano and you didn't like it. And, uh, I promise this time is real and I have been, you know, <laughs> I, I know what I want. So that's how, how it started. So yeah, at seven years old, I said, well, this is going to be the instrument for my life. And so you started performing at age 10. Is that right? Yes. What were those early performances like? I mean, could you even carry the instrument? No, definitely not. <laughs> I, I, barely, I can barely carry it now. <laughs> uh, I remember first performance at my school actually there was the end of year celebration and i told my teacher that i wanted to play music for everyone that was you know like for even though it's most of the audience are uh, students mainly but there are like thousands of people <laughs> i was wow. uh, very nervous i remember first time i was performing and my teacher actually came to encourage me I, all I was worried about is like I'm going to forget about the score because in China you have to like this is part of the practice you have to memorize everything rather than you can't read a score and play so that's a, I was worried about that and she said don't worry if you forget about that just play repeat something you you know you remember and then come it will come back you just have to come down and so I, I really remember how nervous I was when I did my first performance. But soon I learned really fast. I think one reason is like uh, maybe I have talent. Maybe my mom is dedicated to, you know, push me. And, and also one of the important reasons is my teacher, as I mentioned, is my neighbor. So if I make a mistake practicing at home, she can just tell me through the window. She opened the window, she said, Mindy, that's wrong. And I can hear that. So I did have a, well, I call it a special care as I was learning. And it definitely made, like, I probably, my speed was like doubled compared with all the other students because she actually, she would almost, and I, we're on the ground floor, like we're really just share one wall. So even when she go out for a walk after dinner, she can hear me play. And then she will knock on the window, say this part, and then do that, that. 
So I have a lot of free lessons, and it comes from all directions, windows, <laughs> you know, phone call, come over here. I heard you played this. That wow. wasn't right. You know, like so. I had a special care. And are you still in touch? <laughs> yes, actually. She became a mother figure to me in a way. You know, in China, we say something like "Ah,一日为师，终身为父." Means one day, if someone be your master for one day, they're your father for whole your life. So, um, in the traditional study, you definitely regard your teacher like a, you know, almost like your parents. You have a lot of respect. So um, and also we were very close as we were neighbors. So we still stay in touch. Yeah, it's beautiful. I read that you set up a charity concert for some major floods, which was featured on Gansu TV. That's my pro- provincial TV. Yeah, that was that was huge. Yeah, can you tell <laughs> us about that? Uh, well, I think I was eleven or twelve, and there was a huge flood in southern China. And lots of people died, and lots, you know, family lost their home, and it went on for almost a month. So every day, like I remember watching news and just all the news about that, and people cry. And so one day, I was, you know, I watched the news. I asked my mom and saying, like, oh, I wish we could do something, but actually, I said I'm too embarrassed to go basking because there were people, like, you know. Give money and donate different things to, like Southern China, so people were in the flood. But I said I'm too shy to go basking it and give you know get some money and give it to them. But、uh, I wish I can do something like you know maybe play a concert and get ask people you know to give money. And then my mom encouraged me to go and talk to my teacher. And my teacher was saying, like, okay, well, that's really good thoughts. Let let's do that. <laughs> so she helped me, and she gathered her all her students. So very soon, like the TV station, really interested in that. So it was a very successful event. Everybody put in so much effort, and.、Uh, Yeah, so just I don't know how it happened. It actually went really big. We got lots of money and donation, and that's incredible. It was very successful. It was great memory actually. So you lived and studied in the UK and graduated from the University of Newcastle with a bachelor in music. What made you want to study in the UK, and what was that time in your life like? Oh, that was purely an accident, <laughs> in a way.、Um, When I was in China, I won a lot of competition. I got lots of awards, and those competition were national. So、uh, before I even finished my high school, I got a, two offers from two major conservatories in China, and that which means I don't have to even take any exam. I can just go. So I have no pressure for the final examination、wow. for high school, which is like everybody's huge headache. You know the high school three years. The last year, purely everyone just getting ready for the exam. So last year in the high school, we just do the exam test every week to get you ready for the real exam. That's the whole year. Suddenly, I feel like oh, I didn't even have to do this anymore. I can go to like the best conservatory.、Um, and at the time, my father. He works in the university, and in the university they have a exchange program, 
and um, for people to go there learn English and all you know receive some British coming to learn Chinese. My father was saying like, "Are you interested to go to England for three months?" And you know, like as a big group, you, someone will look after you guys, and and I'm you know, I'm happy for you to go. And I thought, okay, I could just stay here and do the boring exams, practice until the exam comes, or which I don't even need to take. Or I could go to England. So I said, well, you know, I'll go to England for three months. So I thought it was just well English exchange. But when I was there, I met people who actually was studying English because they want to get into university. So I thought, okay. Well, we are in the same same course, you know. Like there, if I'm from university, maybe I'll apply too, just for fun. And I got some offers. Like I think I got offer from Leeds and <laughs> and Newcastle, and I got offer from Luton as well. So Leeds are pretty good with music, and Newcastle is very good with folk music because a lot, you know. Um, Scottish and Irish would go there. Like they have a very super strong folk music department. So I thought maybe I wanted that because I I wasn't quite sure where my music would stand in in the whole British music system. So um, that's why I chose Newcastle. I went to Newcastle, and it was a very good and difficult time because the. Obviously, my English wasn't that good at all, and the music system I've learned were following a very traditional way, which is um, you know, by started by listening and and playing, and later on, even we you know have scores. Everything is very different、mm. scores from Western notation, and we're in pentatonic. So what I'm used to read is the relationship. Between notes, rather than just to have a set place, you know, like in the Western scores, like C would always be there, <laughs> and it, it, you know, if it goes somewhere else, it's not C, right? But、um, so it's always when you look at that notes in that place, you always know what it is. Whereas in my system, everything is shifting and moving, and all I, you know, I focus on is like the relation between each notes. So.、Um, I had to learn Western music theory,、It's、musical language as well as spoken language, all at the、yeah. same time. That's a very steep learning. Yeah,、curve. exactly. Oh God, the first few years was tough, and、uh, um, I'm glad I, you know, I, I really pushed it through, and it,、um, I did it really well when I graduated. I, you know, I had I went, I did actually did an honor degree, and I, I got what they call distinction. I I told everyone I was like probably at the bottom of the whole, you know, class because I I don't know anything. But at the end, I went onto the top. That's amazing! Congratulations!、Oh, And so, when did the composing come into the picture? When did you first start writing? It was actually during my study. At first, I think to understand. I feel like you know I have a lot of music language inside, but I couldn't. Bring it out, and I need、uh, a tour. I need skills to be able to speak those music, tell my own story. It was music. So from very beginning, I、um, took、um, conversation as one of the major 
uh, course. I and then uh, in the last two years, I focused on that. But after I graduated, uh, for a lot of time, I was just uh, playing and performing until probably probably like a last few years when I was in London. When I after graduated, I went to London to work, start just focused on performing. And uh, later on, I few years later, I start get more creative. I guess I'm always creative. I just I feel like you know I want to play my own music, so I start to write for myself, and then later on I start to write for others, and then, and they just get you know bigger and bigger. And um, yeah, and then when I came to Australia, I was very comfortable with uh, playing my own music, and uh, I could play to for multiple instrument and chamber mix orchestra all this so you've played in london you also toured extensively throughout europe Mm -hmm. but i read that you performed with gorillas at the o2 in london yeah can you tell us about that show i mean that sounds wild it is so much fun when i was in london i was in a string quartet and that's probably like the best chinese string quartet in europe um, so we get a lot of opportunity to do all the in- interesting projects. Like, you know, we, we toured everywhere in Europe. We go to all the festivals and we played in um, many, like, significant uh, venues. Like in London, we often play in Tate, Barbican Centre, and we worked with London Symphony Orchestra, and, and we collaborated with a lot of um, great musicians and artists. And... Most of them are still quite on the classic and, you know, contemporary Western, contemporary art music world. But occasionally, there's some pop stuff coming out in as well. And this is one of the um, more on the pop side. So, um, well, Damon Albin, um, he wanted to do, uh, you know, with Gorillaz, do... A, a album about uh, um, the Monkey King, the Monkey King, the journey to the West. So he actually worked with the wow. um, visual, you know, and uh, a Chinese theater company to create a spectacular show of this Monkey King story. And he did all the music. So this show has an acrobat and dance and, you know, like it's, basically a gorilla's musical a <laughs> part of monkey king and also so it was really fun to play in there and you know every night we have a thousand audience come into o2 to watch it and it was really hot in london at the time like you know everybody was talking about that it was a great experience yeah This episode of Control is brought to you by Melbourne Recital Centre. From October to December, the centre presents Season 4, Blossom, featuring incredible indie rock heroes, alt-country legends, humble singer-songwriters, super folk groups, ethereal choirs, and much more. You don't want to miss a moment. Explore the season of live events at melbournerecital.com.au forward slash blossom. So you were doing these amazing gigs and these major collaborations. So what made you want to move to Australia? Ah, well, I think the d- 
decision of moving here and call Melbourne home has a lot of multiple reasons. But I think the the most important thing for me is I really love the lifestyle here. First, when I came here, I thought, you know, when I was traveling and I didn't really like it so much. And uh, I was thinking compared with London, everything is very slow. I thought, oh, people actually just looks like half the time they're just having fun. <laughs> and um, then I think then later when I come back and I, I realized Melbourne has a, you know, like a, I really love the landscape in Australia. Like I think there are so many beautiful places. I love nature. I don't know if it's the right word. I want to say original. So just so different and uh, natural. So I thought, okay, it would be great if I could stay in Australia for a little bit. But then I, you know, as I get to know Melbourne more and I find Melbourne is very interesting. And around that time, um, my father passed away in China and I feel like it really made me to think about it really think about what's important in life is that just about running around and be super busy and work and excitement you know I feel like it's about time to change my life like I wanted to have space time for myself and it and create something different for myself mm-hmm. you know like in Europe in London or um, Chinese music has already established itself for quite a long time you would see a lot. So, for example, British, they're very good with Wuzheng or even more ancient Chinese musical instrument like a Qing. And they, they can read Chinese character scores and they speak Chinese just because they learn the instrument. So you have like a lot of people have, you know, musicians has been there too and integrated with you know their music integrated with life and in the society so it has a culture there already whereas in australia when i first came here i think it hasn't became a, a culture there are chinese musicians here are like you know people interested in chinese music but it hasn't became you know the connection wasn't there yet so I also feel like, you know, I want to come here and do something and make change. And and that's, you know, what was my passion. So I guess, you know, like wanting to change your lifestyle and also finding that there's a purpose for me to stay here. All these reasons just made me move here. <laughs> I read somewhere that you said you thought Australia would be more similar to the UK in terms of culture, but it was different from what you imagined. What do you think some of those differences are in terms of our music culture and how did you navigate those differences? I have to say, you know, earlier I mentioned a little bit about like, you know, how the Chinese music was, you know, more integrated to mainstream there and here it's quite separate that's actually one of the huge difference to me as a chinese plays traditional chinese musical instrument you know like i just starting career here wasn't easy as if there was no 
there was no network to support this and there was no background. And so that's one thing different. But also I felt like in London, there are so many people. So no matter what kind of music, you have a lot of audience and any kind of small, small type, small genre, small um, groups, you will find something and the, the opportunity is just blooming all the time. Whereas here in Melbourne, obviously, we have much, much less people and we're smaller. And um, we're actually not right next to Europe. We, you know, like imagine London, imagine it's the right, you know, like Paris is an hour away, everywhere, you know, Germany, Belgium, Europe is right there. So you're in, it's not just London, it's a whole Europe. And here we're very isolated and we have a much smaller population. So I feel like a, a lot smaller music genres was not as active. Mm, they don't have a lot of opportunity. And it feels like the diversity wasn't there. Even it was there. We have a lot like the people from different countries. Um, and, you know, we have uh, people into different kind of a, like a music, like experimental or less mainstream uh, music styles but when you look at the, the opportunity for those kind of music it's small much smaller and you know as myself it is in one of this smaller group i understand what it means to, to a musician which means your career would be very difficult like mm. you know to you can't connect because there are not so many people that does the similar thing and it's basically you have to change a way of thinking to be able to play music here in Australia. Whereas in London, you probably don't have to do much. Then then things will come to you. Here you have to go and you know find your own things. Yeah, make your own opportunities. Mm. Yeah. So in 2015, you returned to China to perform a concert commissioned by the Shanghai International Festival. And you also performed at the landmark Power Station of Arts, Shanghai Rockband Arts Museum. What what did it feel like to return to China for these shows? Oh, I love it. Um, it's now it's a great time. Like because what I'm bringing back to China, it's not traditional music. Yeah, and it's your take. Yeah, and then I created so many things that actually, you know, belongs to me. Like I invent lots of things and technique on this instrument. And when I bring it back to show everyone, I I was excited but also scared. Many years ago, I had an um, experience of bringing, you know, back some experimental work on Guzheng and it wasn't received well. I would say people just doesn't know what to think about it. And then the um, traditional player, I think that was any change has done on this instrument is a, a crime, you know? So, um, but I noticed the things has changed. So when I went back and I, I you know, like I, I took Austrian art <laughs> mm-hmm. orchestra to play my piece in Shanghai Festival and it received really well. And in, especially among young people, they love it. And also like at those you know shanghai rock band and power station those places i actually did a collaboration with the local artists on experiment music and electronic music it 
was just great you know like it was so positive people are really positive about the change and the, the new you know adventurous style on this instrument i think yeah i was very pleased how do you approach developing new work for a commission and how do you know it's the right fit when people approach you about writing something for them well this one was easy because they asked me to write something I'm passionate about. I said I want to write about my hometown, which is the, in the northwest of China. It's a very important spot on the Silk Road. So it's, that's the trading spot. And therefore, around there, the, we have a many cultures. We have a, you know more than 40 ethnic groups living in the same city. They all practice different religions and speak different languages and have a different, you know, everything and so i thought i want to write something about the silk road and about my hometown and but i what i want to bring into you know i want to use a western chamber orchestra format and uh, i want to bring some jazz elements into there as well so they just like wow that sounds wild let's do it (laughs) that was it that was the work so i think um when people approach me the most important thing is I would say to talk about, you know, if they want me to do what I want to do. And usually I think it's easy, you know, because I have so many ideas and I just have to just tell them all the wonderful things about uh, my music background. Actually, most of my inspiration came from my upbringing and and the the culture that I know. And the place I grew up. So I believe the, all these things has their own charm and uh, I just have to let people know. It sounds like you just say yes. <laughs> yeah. If you wanted me to write some music, yes, I would do it. <laughs> say yes first, figure it out later. Yeah. That's a good approach. Uh, last year you released a new record called Phoenix Rising. Can you tell us about the album and what Phoenix Rising means to you? Well, this is an album I really love. I am proud of that because it, it's a you know summary of my contemporary practice. In this album, Phoenix Rising, we have seven tracks, and each track is completely different with different collaborators. And it, we have a vinyl, and it has two sides. One side is more, let's say, I call it acoustic side. And another side is the electronic side. So on the acoustic side, the first track is collaboration between me and Paul Grabowski. Mm, he's an amazing pianist that we find so much. Like our, you know, when we start playing together, the connection was immediately established, and both of us find it magical to play with each other. And so. I just thought, like you know, well, actually, this album, I you know, when when I was thinking about what the content, I I just thought I want to collect all the music that I like, all the musicians I have worked with, but I don't have opportunity to record anything with them. So Paul is the first one I asked, and then actually there are many artists like this, you know, for example, like Claire Edwards. And she's the artist director of an Ensemble Offspring from Sydney. And I was working with her and we played something, but I never got it recorded. 
So I was saying like, you know, I wanted all the new sound to be recorded. Another track on this side is a collaboration with Brian Ritchie. Um, people probably know him from the band of Valen fame, but he's a, a really amazing shakuhachi player as well. So I invited him to play shakuhachi with me on this album. Whereas the last track of the acoustic side is, I call it, it's me collaborating with myself because it's uh, overdubbing and we use loop. So it's just me in different layers in that track. Um, and then on the, the other side, of, there's uh, three amazing um, electronic artists that I've worked with and we have three tracks there. One uh, first one is called On the Current, it's collaboration with Vifia. And she, this track actually been nominated as the finalist in Australian Art Music Award Work of the Year in the electronic and sound art category. It's brilliant. Congratulations. Thank you. So Fifi, Caroline Scottfield, Fifi is her stationer. Uh, she, her music is very subtle and bassy and very spacious. So it goes really well with my instrument, with Guzheng, how it goes with the bending, sliding sound. So this whole track is very, you know, you would hear it start quiet, but it grows really big. And then when I, when I listen to it, I feel like, you know, it's quite subtle and it's suddenly you don't know what happened. It's just so overwhelmed and the music just took over. And then another track, um, Activation, is a collaboration with a, a really famous Chinese techno musician, Ma Haiping. He's from Shanghai and that track is, it's very futuristic. It's very interesting, very rhythmic. The last track is Staring Flower is a collaboration with uh, Daniel Ginesh, his Melbourne-based uh, um, sound artist and, and um, uh, installation artist. He, in this piece, you know, our collaboration, I feel like it's always delicate, but also very powerful, just like, um, the martial art form, stirring flower, which came from like, you know, imagine someone's practicing martial arts and it's very powerful, but the, the energy they stirred, the wind they stirred, got the flower petal around them and, you know, flowing. So hence the term stirring flower. So okay. I thought like that describes our character like me and daniels so that's the last piece so the entire album is really featuring all very different kind of music and i used all the non-traditional technique in there and some of that are my own unique technique like use percussive element on the instrument which you know people doesn't do that at all or use a bow and i use my voice as well and for me, it's really, it's a big collection of the work I've done. And that's why I call it Phoenix Rising, because the Phoenix is, I feel like it's newborn of the instrument, Guzheng, because Phoenix actually derives from ash, it's a new life. And what I think in this album, the Guzheng is having a new life. It rises from tradition, it became 
more diverse and it's stronger. So that's why I call it Phoenix Rising. I love it. And it's it's such a great record. Another incredible release that you've just put out recently is a collaboration with Tim Shiel called Nervous Energy. And this is such an exciting record. It's combining electronica and beats with traditional sounds. It's a really stunning series of tracks. I hope there's more to come. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to sound yeah. greedy. I'm like, you've just put out two records, <laughs> you know, during a pandemic, but give us more already. Yeah, it will be more. <laughs> what was what was it like putting this record together? Because you were working across lockdowns, right? Yes. That's really fun, actually, working with team because we've been introduced by this uh, um, unique and a special label called Music in Excel. And then they really supported artists from diversity background and uh, some like a refugee background as well. I worked with them for on different projects in the past and during lockdown. They asked me, indeed, you know, we have a new project coming up. Do you want to start a collaboration with a Melbourne artist? And then maybe you can, you know, come in on this. I think it's called Building Bridge or something that bigger project i was like sure of course i can do that so the original plan is just do one song one track and then i've been introduced to team we just get on straight away like i think very soon you know we feel like oh, we can be mates you know like we're not like so we didn't just do one song we did like four tracks and i was like okay we love both all of them what what can we do so instead of just release the one track uh, under that big project, so we decided to release the EP as an individual project. And it just went really well. And we've been got so much uh, support. And after we released the music and uh, MTV called it one of the best electronic music came out in 2021. We're both very happy about that. And we're on a way to do our second um actually first album because that last one was ep yeah and then we're having a concert coming up at a recital center uh, 8th of october which is very exciting so accompanying the tracks from the ep there's these gorgeous videos also i can't help but say how incredible your photography is as well so i feel like you've got such an aesthetic when it comes to your visual representation of your Mm -hmm. music and with your photography in particular there's such a combination of traditional chinese Mm -hmm. design and costume can you tell us a little bit about how you curate those photo shoots and how you go about putting together the artwork i think it's a collective effort and but uh, i do think you know, sometimes, well, when I choose things, I tend to choose something combine everything. Like I do not, you know, I don't think it it should only have a traditional Chinese look or a more contemporary look. I feel like it needs to combine both. So no matter if it's like music video or like a, the press shots, I'd like to mix it up. It's hard to say. Like when I say something, I'll be like, "Oh, that's right. I like that." But generally, I like a Chinese and Western image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to see. Thank you. I remember seeing one performance at Melbourne Recital Centre. It might have been from the Music yeah. Victoria Awards, and you had this oh, almost kind of yeah. crown headpiece, and it was just, it was just absolutely radiant. So I feel like a lot of your creative output 
your live shows, your records, your artwork. It's very collaborative and you've worked with artists, some of the acts that you've named. I mean, they're diverse from jazz to pop. You know, you've also worked with Deborah Cheatham and Joel Listics. Yeah. I mean, can you tell us what you think makes a successful collaboration? Uh, listen, I think. The first thing is you have to be a good listener. And the second thing I think you have to actually understand yourself what's your voice and i think if you know those two things the collaboration is easy it's very enjoyable when you it's like having a deep conversation with someone and when i play with different genre people will say well isn't that difficult if you're traditional or classic performer and how can you play with pop or with different genre, does that not make you feel difficult? I actually never felt difficult. I felt the voice was always there and you just know when you hear different kind of music, what kind of a voice you can put in there. Mm. So listening is very important. Given that your chosen instrument is a traditional Chinese instrument, but you live in Australia, do you feel a sense of responsibility about representing Chinese culture? How does that impact your creative practice? Definitely. I feel like it's not only about this, but I feel like I, I have a broader responsibility of many things like connecting Chinese community to like musically to mainstream because they don't well, I wouldn't say Asia. Like, you know, I think Asian artists generally, they don't come out to play much. They all tend to go into a little cocoon and play in the community. And I think that's great. But also, I know that they want to reach out, but they just don't know how. I feel like I want to build bridges. I want to create passes for them. So it will be easier for them to reach out in the future. So that's my number one responsibility. And also I want to encourage for what I'm doing here. I have already heard so many, you know, one of the best thing I heard is from younger musicians. And they were saying like, oh, you encouraged us a lot. I, I feel it's possible. You know, in the past, I feel like it's probably not possible to to have an interesting uh, music uh, career here if you play a different instrument. But uh, now I feel it's, it's possible. So that's really beautiful. I feel like I really, you know, I want to encourage more people and especially um, starting career female musicians and composers. I want to tell them everything is possible. And Australia is actually, the industry is so lovely and you just have to get to know them. The last few years have been incredibly difficult for the music sector, mm -hmm. but it sounds like you were really able to focus on composing and recording during this time. Yeah. But do you have any reflections on how the pandemic impacted you? Well, I think it, just like everybody else, I went darker. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, I feel like, you know, especially in Phoenix Rising, there's a lot of music that quite reflects a lot about my mind during that time, which is, you know, deep and possibly 
a bit sad. And, you know, like in the album, I have a song I play with Claire Edwards. It's called Mother River and really inspired by how much I miss my hometown. And there are a river called Yellow River, you know, across my hometown, just like Yarra River across Melbourne. So whenever I was I walking past there, I was, you know, for a second, I felt like I'm in my hometown and walk across that bridge that, you know, so all the memories comes back to me. And it, also because of lockdown, I haven't seen my mom for many, many years, like it's almost three years at that point. So that music reflects a lot about what I was thinking. And the music I did was Paul also. It's a very dark track. Yeah. It's epic. <laughs> it's called Night Storm. So I was saying like, you know, my vision is like as watching, a, you know, as if I was watching a storm in the middle of the ocean and from how it, you know, it's huge. And then, then later on how it can become like more calming. So I think that's how I feel. There were so many emotions that bottled up and then I learned how to deal with myself and settling that. And that's also a process of that in the track as well. Yeah. You're currently the artist in residence at Melbourne Recital Centre. Can you tell us about your year so far and what that experience has been like? Uh, it's been really good. And also uh, we, I have to say, like, you know, we, we have a lots of very interesting plans and a performance scheduled, but, uh, you know, one of the major ones that are, me and Paul were going to go doing a um, concert and it was uh, uh, along with some other program, like a audience for one and at a recital center. But that week, there was so many things supposed to happen that week, but I got COVID. Oh, so no. it didn't happen, but I were rescheduling everything. So it's going to be pushed to early okay. next year. There was other things actually, because I, had a child early this year as well so many things got a bit slow but we have a many like we actually have a very exciting projects coming up we are talking about a, a collaboration with the french and melbourne recital center and melbourne university so um this project is a, a project that involved music and artificial intelligence basically there is a program invented by Melbourne Uni that designed to read people, read your personality, read your emotion, read everything. So we're using this an emotion detect system to enable audience mind control what? music <laughs> to work with live musicians. Wow. So that's a something like we're uh, doing together, like uh, with French and recital center, and also okay, yeah. We have um, um, some international collaboration opportunity coming up as well. Just hope that, uh, you know, the China traveling, everything will easy a bit so we can get on with it. Um, the many interesting things and, and, you know, concert will be programmed in later this year and early next year. It's great. And it's, I think we're so fortunate to have a venue like that in Melbourne that is 
championing and fostering new music and collaborations also. And a huge congrats on your new family member. Oh, thank you. I'm about to have my second baby. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be going to be crazy um do you feel like becoming a mother has impacted your creative practice um it hasn't impacted my creative side but it definitely impacted my time you know you lose so much (laughs) time and i um it's it's a great experience i i was in uh being honest before i had a child i was really worried about you know i understand what it's like how important it is and I, I understand it will be a huge shift in my life my identity will change and I was worried about that would it have a negative impact on my career and but I think it didn't actually the only thing is I have less time but it's temporarily and I believe things will get better it's already been much better I'm actually having some sleep all the time now Yay. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so it didn't i told people a add-on it didn't take anything away from me i feel yeah. exactly the same i feel like yeah. the joy of having my son and the interactions that we have and what he brings to the party is yeah you know it's a huge life bonus you know yeah. it's life's even better now than what it was exactly before. And I think it makes me appreciate my music even more when I do get the chance to create. I mean, I just have to be a bit more ruthless with oh. time management, I guess. You know, I certainly am not mucking around as much. It's the heart. <laughs> um, but I think, as you said, it's temporary, yeah. you know, and it comes in seasons. You know, you talk to people with older kids yeah. and once they go to school, the routine changes yet again. And and then when they're teenagers and they want to spend their weekends with their yeah. mates, you will have more time yeah. back. But then you miss them when they're not exactly. around. So it's... <laughs> All the moments are precious. So we should always enjoy like this time. Like, you know, when she now she's young and then later on, you know, every stage, I think I will just enjoy in a different way. Mindy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me on the Control podcast. Thank you for having me. It's- so lovely to talk about it and have a lovely you know conversation in the middle of the afternoon (laughs) that was mindy meng wang in control for links to mindy's music head to the show notes for more information on melbourne recital center head to melbournerecital.com.au You've been listening to Control. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a review. It helps others to find the podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram or get in touch via controlpodcast.com. This episode was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung people, and I'd like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and be kind. Thank you.